When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 Monday edition is here. Glad you're with us. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We'll soon be joined by Paul Kuharski, who is down in Florida. We'll tell you why in a moment. 6th and Peabody, our location, each and every day for the Outkick 360 Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The Final Four is set. Plenty of NFL news and notes. There's a slap last night at the Oscars and much more. Chad, a lot to get to. Good afternoon. The slap heard around the world with Will Smith across the face of Chris Rock. Hutton, is there anything I can tell you on today's show? That would get you to slap me on air and not wait until a commercial break I don't know. to slap I, me. I don't know if I can act out any better than Will Smith did last night uh, on stage. I don't know if we can script that any better than Will Smith and Chris Rock did. It was so acted out by Will Smith that people automatically assumed it was a gimmick yeah. when it happened. And I, I went back and watched it. I, I did not watch the Oscars live. I was watching something else. Looked down at Twitter. Saw the reaction, went back and watched it. It took me one time <laughs> watching it to say, this is 100% not a work. This is real. That was a real hit, and he was really offended and mad and walked up there and did that and sat back down. The unedited version is the one that everyone needs to see. Chris, uh, there are people that are like pausing the video, and like you could see Chris Rock lean into it and take the slap. like He knew he was going to be slapped and not punched. Yeah. Well, he's leaning into it because he thinks it's going to be like either a hug or like no, a he's, joke. He's not leaning in like a hug. <laughs> it's like a joke or something. I, I don't. He's not. I, I didn't he, see he is, that. He's leaning in and sticking his face out like to be slapped. And people are saying that it was a it was a work, but um, I, I didn't think that. And uh, Claire was watching. Claire was watching it live, and then I was doing something else, and she got my attention and made me watch it. And I was like, "Yeah, he's he's really upset." What I missed out on was he's laughing at the joke to begin. And then takes the stage after that. He's laughing. His wife is not laughing at the joke and looks highly Which is offended. typical for these shows. Yeah, highly and he, offended. And then, celebrities don't laugh at jokes about themselves, typically. Yeah, even uh, I, I watched a little bit of the opening monologue, and they, they made a joke about J.K. Simmons, the veteran <laughs> character actor. Yeah. And they said, boy, you know, the, the uh, pandemic's been really rough on Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> and they panned to the audience, and it was J.K. Simmons, and he did not seem amused by it. And I'm thinking, like, what? come on. I mean, yeah, that, that, you're I mean, a 60-something-year-old man. That's the joke. But it's that's, not- the, that's typical. I mean, that's why Ricky Gervais crushes it is because he stands up there at the, these award shows. I know he's been banned since, I guess, but, and just rips into these celebrities that absolutely hate it. But they sit there and take it. I mean – of the jokes that Chris Rock has made over the course of his career <laughs> and the jokes he's made hosting the Oscars before, yeah, that was as tame a joke as I've seen. Honestly, Regina Hall, one of the hosts, joke about their open marriage to Jada Pinkett Smith in one of her little monologues was way over the top 
compared to a G.I. Jane joke uh, to Jada Pinkett Smith. I, I have to believe, Hutton, that there is previous bad blood. I know people were posting, I think it was uh, 2016 but... or 2017, where Jada Pinkett Smith boycotted the Oscars because Will wasn't nominated one year. Oh. And he had like a minute worth of material when they weren't there about how no one asked Jada Pinkett Smith to ever come to the Oscars in the first place. So you're really not getting much done with a boycott <laughs> and a whole comedy bit about that. Maybe it built up from that. And Will Smith took offense to that before. And then this just set it over the top. I, I don't know, but I, I know this. I haven't watched the Oscars. This was an event I would watch start to finish for years. I haven't watched in a few years. I've seen two of the 10 nominated films for best picture. That was a hell of a television spectacle that we yeah. watched last night, regardless of how you feel about it, what side you come down on. Oh, I, I agree with Will Smith, or I think that Chris Rock, you know, had the, the worst end of that, whatever. The bottom line is we're talking about the Oscars for the first time in a while. And it was oh, quite, that's the only reason to quite the spectacle uh, with that. I, I found myself Hutton, watching it and watching it over and over again. And it was so uncomfortable like I had a hard time going to sleep at first. I'm like, <laughs> what, is, what is going on that Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air of my childhood, got so worked that he walked on stage, millions of people across the world watching the show, and open hands slapped a man as hard as he could on stage. And then for Chris Rock to stand there to say something back to him and then try to compose himself to give the best documentary feature award away was just remarkable television start the, to finish remarkable rerun television because oh my I, goodness. I, I, I would say what 80 percent of the viewing audience total maybe maybe more maybe it's up to 90 now we're not watching that show live when no it i mean what you got it on social media like yeah. i saw someone post something about Someone on social media said, man, I really want my husband to have that Will Smith defense energy of me or something. I'm thinking, okay, what is, what is that? Then I go to Twitter, and I see Clay Travis tweeting about it, and now they're thinking, okay, I got to go back. I'm recording the Oscars because mm -hmm. if anything big happens, I want to go back and see it. I'm not recording it to watch all three and a half hours. So thank goodness I recorded it. Go back to it, fast forward to that point, and see it happen. And I don't know your reaction. You said Claire was watching, then you watched it. I thought it was real. People were debating you know, throughout the night whether or not it's real. I thought it was real the first time I saw it. That was my first inclination. Because of the way uh, they, stopped, they took out the sound and stopped it also with what they were saying back and forth on the, the American uh, version of the show, I knew yeah, it was real. On the real. network broadcast. Yeah. But the, you know... You some of the other uh, countries you were releasing this unedited version. That's where you can tell like how upset he was. But in, in real time, I couldn't tell whether or not he actually slapped him or not. Like it, I didn't know if they were at, because of the way the camera angle was shot, right? Like you, was this WWE or is this uh did he punch him? Because Chris Rock just kind of stands there and takes it and then just doesn't react to it one way or the other. Like he's not, he doesn't lose balance. He just stands there, gets slapped, and then continues with his bit. I mean, who and knew that Chris Rock could take a hit like that? Well, but that, that's what makes it look so fake, is the fact that he doesn't lose his balance. He, he leans forward, he puts his chin up into it, and takes the slap, and then he goes, uh, Will Smith immediately turns around and goes back to his seat. In any other setting, there are, there's security involved, there is, uh, you know, 
in, in our case, we absolutely wouldn't be just, you know, allowed to just leave the premise, right? I mean, you're, you're being charged with something. And I know uh, the story is that he declined to press charges, but still, I mean, that... No, and I'm glad he, goes he from, did. He goes, well, he goes from slapping Chris Rock to accepting best actor. Well, he goes from slapping Chris with Rock all the to accepting involved. best actor and then getting a standing ovation uh, for winning best actor. <laughs> and nothing happened to the guy. Look at the shock. There is this, uh, we can find it too. No, wh- Ellie, if you can't find this and post on he Instagram, gets- there is a grid of all the A-list celebrities' face when he walks up and slaps Chris Rock. Yeah. And there's the shock and awe of everyone in the audience when he does that. And then later, they're all standing and applauding. And Will Smith goes up there. He balls throughout the speech uh, when he's accepting the speech. And he's talking about my calling in life as a a defender of my family, just like Richard Williams and comparing himself to Richard Williams. And I'm thinking to myself, that's great on principle. I watched King Richard, okay? (laughs) Richard Williams, and you, you portrayed this in the film. When Richard Williams defended his family... He was defending his daughters of being assaulted by gang members in Compton in part of the movie. You had a millionaire comedian make a G.I. Jane joke. That's a little bit different, I think, in the, in the grand scheme of are you that in character that you're just in that mode? And he talked about now I look like the crazy dad also. No, you are uh, by doing that. I, I thought it was just insanely over the top. That anyone, moment, I could understand him taking, uh, because of the, the medical condition where she lost her hair, taking offense to that. I can understand him yelling something at Chris Rock or even approaching Chris Rock after the ceremony and saying, hey, this is why I take offense to that and explaining it. But to get up from your seat and walk up there and slap him in the face on television, that was... I, I've ne- I, People were, you know, asked question, could you see this coming from Will Smith? I couldn't see this coming from anyone. Yeah. Ice Cube is an actor, and he was an NWA. I couldn't see Ice Cube standing up and going and slapping a man on national TV during the Oscars. I wouldn't expect that from anyone, much less Will Smith. Well, what, what this moment encapsulated is everything that Hollywood is about. You know, self-importance. Um, you don't know what's real and what's, you know, fake or what's scripted. And uh, on top of everything else, he mentions what, what does he mention in his speech? Um, you know, it, I'm about love. Love, I'm no love makes you do crazy things, and then to a standing ovation. Yeah, <laughs> to a standing ovation from Hollywood. Well, and also th- this is the most anti. <laughs> this is the most anti physical violence at any time crowd. Oh, absolutely. Physical violence is never justified by 98 percent of the people in that Hollywood acting community and crowd, <laughs> and they stood there said nothing, did nothing, watched it happen, well, the, and later gave the man who assaulted another man in front of everyone a standing ovation. And then the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences dares to release a statement after that says something like, the Academy does not condone violence of any kind. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you condoned it. You did n- Not a security guard was inside. Nothing. No one did anything. No one went and asked Will Smith, are you okay Please be quiet. You're shouting obscenities on a network broadcast over everyone else. Not a thing happened. So well, well they weren't going to do that do because he's winning it. their main award. I mean, what a night. Uh, it was, what a night. Well, uh, what a moment. I mean, again, like this. Yeah, it's true. If uh, you have to, no one else is talking about anything with that show except for that moment. I can't tell you, and I, it was on in the background for me. Claire was watching live. She could probably recite it. 
I can't tell you what else happened that night or last night other than that moment where, I mean, they don't, they don't do the comedian acts much anymore because everyone's offended by it. Well, it, it's funny that <laughs> Chris Rock is the one guy who's hosted the Oscars before who has offended people, who dares to offend those in Hollywood, and he just goes up and just sideswipes Jada Pinkett Smith in his presentation where he's not really trying to go over the top and offend, and then that leads to the slap. And it started with him making fun of a husband and wife where he was talking about Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. They're both nominated for Best Actor and Actress. Okay. And he, his joke was to start, Javier, if you, you can't win tonight if she loses. That's going to be bad news for you if you win and she doesn't. And then goes on to Jada Pinkett Smith. Man, it was, it was well, crazy. And I, I think it also... The response from the crowd, though? It speaks to the hypocrisy of the whole thing. Oh, of course. Well, the whole that, thing. That's what the whole night's about. Well, I've got a list of everything that comes in their gift bags uh, by attending the Oscars, which is just insane. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that coming up. But the, the crowd reaction, like no one getting up and doing anything, literally, what, 30 minutes prior to that is when the first Will Smith, Jada Pickett Smith joke was out there, right? Am I right in thinking this? And, yeah. And right, just prior to that, they were calling dudes up on stage more or less to go, the joke was to go back and like try out to be a date of whoever was Regina hosting, Hall, right? who was one of the hosts. So if you're thinking, oh, this is part of the bit, they're, they're circling back to this, which is they had just mentioned Will and Jada, right? As a part of another bit, you're thinking, oh, now this is act two or whatever it is. That's, I mean, I, w- I would have okay. just thought it was part of the show. Also, in the pantheon of insults, and, and maybe I'm completely different from everyone else out here and what offends me and what doesn't. But in the pantheon of insults, making a, an open marriage remark from Regina Hall and trying to get Will Smith on stage because she's joking and says, come on up, Will. Your wife said it's okay <laughs> that I can have you. And Will Smith is so uncomfortable in this bit and, and waving her off. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. You got to stay up there. And the whole bit earlier was it was something about COVID tests came back and some of you guys here are positive. But it was Regina Hall, who's the one single host, saying yeah. you're positively single. So they brought up like Timothy Chalamet, Bradley Cooper, clearly all in on the bit, all the guys they right. brought up, and they're trying out for her. And then she mentions Will Smith being in an open marriage as a joke with Jada Pinkett Smith there, and he waves it off. And then I guess Chris Rock just catches the brunt of all of it uh, towards the end of the night. Chris Rock, I mean, uh, the other, so everyone's like, oh, what's Will Smith promoting? I, my question is, what is Chris Rock promoting? Because the last time he was quote-unquote canceled or was under a lot of heat was him g- doing something either with his ex-wife or his... He was going on tour right after this. He came to Zany's here in Nashville, and we went and, and watched his stand-up. But this was a very controversial moment for him right after something with his pregnant wife or, again, so, something was going on, and he had done something right before he went on tour. Well, Chris Rock... Right before he recorded a new special. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I'm so, not so willing now to he's say... Got, he's, he, now has the, he now has an entrance into a new special now. So I'm not willing to say anyone is completely uncancelable in today's culture, but Chris Rock pretty is pretty close. close. Dave yeah. Chappelle is there, yeah. I really think, with Charles what Barkley. he can say and get away with. Chris Rock is close. I'm watching this, Hutton, and to, to me, I'm thinking... How much is Netflix going to pay now for the next hour-long special for Chris Rock? That's what I thought. Where you could spend an hour on this moment. Yeah. I mean, he's, Chris Rock has not tweeted since. He's not said a word. 
And I'm thinking, because Chris Rock is a performer and a comedian, and what he's thinking is, this is damn hilarious. I'm going to go back and start <laughs> I mean, jotting down more G.I. Jane jokes now <laughs> and start talking about it even more because I got the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to, as he said on TV, to smack the, slap the bleep out of me. He said, Will Smith just slapped the bleep out of me. He loves this. And how funny would the grown-ups text be, the group text between Adam Sandler, David Spade, Rob Schneider, and Chris Rock when that happened. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that text conversation when they all witnessed Chris Rock get slapped on TV. I bet he's got a pretty big sense of humor about this. So part of this whole clip, I mean, it's, uh, I'm fascinated by the, 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 the layers beneath it. So Will Smith on his way up on the stage, think about how he had to, he had to like figure out, okay, I'm not going to punch him. I'm going to slap him. All right. I think that's a like you cock back Once, and start to go, and I think that's when you commit to the slap and not the no, punch. No, he, he pulls back open fist. So he knows Again, he's walking all, up. People have dissected this. As Chris Rock leans into it, it is open fist slap time, uh, like we're looking at a little WWE Monday Night Raw. And from there, you know, he steps into it, then turns around and walks straight back. So to be able to compose yourself, if he's that upset, he was actually pretty composed considering he hits the He straightens the guy. out his jacket. Uh, he slaps him and that's kind of I, straightens himself up and, and walks then, right back. And then sits back down, and that's whenever he starts shouting the, the profanity, right? But after that moment, they, oh, at the end of the clip, they announce an award, and he's hugging one of the winners as they walk up. I think it was Questlove. He's hugging one of that's the winners right. as he goes up on stage, like completely normal again. The range of emotion there was bizarre to me. From, well, from Will then, Smith. There's a lot of reports. I saw the Hollywood Reporter had something from the after party where it was just a video of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith dancing to Will Smith hits at the party. Like they're dancing to Will Smith songs like nothing <laughs> happened. I mean, completely fine. and no, no thought, no remorse, nothing. He later in his speech apologized to the Academy and his fellow nominees. Uh, didn't apologize to Chris Rock. No. Man, it was... Uh, it, it, it was crazy start to finish. I saw another tweet that came out that said, because I forgot it was Questlove that won it. I think that's who it was. It was. Right? It was because someone said, Will Smith smacking Chris Rock followed immediately by Chris Rock handing an award to Questlove is the most Philly moment of all time because Questlove's another Philly legend. So it was but Will he gets Smith up there and starts there and crying then, about his upbringing and references yeah. his father. And again, like Will Smith gives him a hug on the way. It's all very Hollywood. Like that, that, is, that encapsulates that night to a T. Well, it's all Hollywood in the hypocrisy of it. But I would never expect of any award show to expect someone to get punched. Well, not, uh, it would again, not be not there. Punched. Or, or not punched, slapped. Slapped. And, struck, and, struck in some way. And I bet there it are would, confrontations there like this behind the scenes at either post-parties or backstage with some of these comedians. Ricky Gervais comes to mind with some of the stuff he's talked about and how he just has to sit there and laugh at these people because they take themselves way too serious. But, you know, we just saw that react in real time. And again, given the circumstances for how irate he was, he was actually pretty composed because well, he hit him and then turned around and walked straight back to his seat and acted like nothing happened. I think everyone's got a different trigger for things. That really gets their blood boiling. And clearly that's one for, for Will Smith. Um, there are comedians too. Comedians, I think, typically roll with these things when someone makes fun of them. They just think of an insult to come back and make fun of them. That's why the roast works, right? They're very mean on these roasts of celebrities. But they all get along in the end. And they could say whatever they want to each other. 
But even Eddie Murphy would not go on SNL because David Spade made a joke about him in 1993 and thought it was below the belt about his career going south. And it was one little joke on Weekend Update. And he hated Lorne Michaels and SNL until he finally came back and hosted like three or four years ago, you know, and buried the hatchet. So I say that to say even comedians in Hollywood have some pretty thin skin at times. And Will Smith also said, we know when we get into this line of work, we have to take and take and take criticism and jokes and things like that to be in the spotlight. But his wife is a celebrity too. Like sure. it's, it's not, she's not a civilian. She is a, a, an well, actress of acclaim that they met while working together. I'm not saying that to say, you know, Chris Rock is completely right no, I know for making a joke that. about someone with that. But my point is, it's not like he just chose someone that's not famous and decided to take a shot at their hair. You know, that's Jada Pinkett Smith is also an actress who chose the famous life, just like Will Smith. And, and those that say, well, they'll just get rid of the comedians now, they can't because the comedians end up making the moments that we go back and watch because they're controversial, quote-unquote controversial. Uh, this, this is way beyond what we've seen in the past, but uh, they, you know, they say Ricky, Ricky Gervais won't be at an award show anymore, and then he hosts three consecutive years because of the ratings boost that they get. They can take the comedians out away from presenting. If they do that, we're not talking about this show the next day. Well, and the, pro- the biggest problem, and we can talk more about this also, the biggest problem for Hollywood and big movie theatrical releases is that I came in today, Hutton, and I said, who won Best Picture again? Who, who won that? Oh, it, it, was, it doesn't even uh, matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is Will the Smith. It was the sign language with the coda. coda. Yeah, Will Smith's slide. My point is, I'm a big fan of movies. I watched two of the ten that were nominated for Best How about Film. Philomena? Have you seen Philomena? I have seen that. I watched it years ago. <laughs> I've now seen that one. It's very good. Dennis Leary's right about that film. It's terrific. But all we're talking about is what? Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. That's the only thing noteworthy about that show. Everything else was very, very predictable. Yes. Of what you would expect from a Hollywood production with Hollywood types in the room. And I'm also talking about Timothy Chalamet going shirtless with a suit over the top of it for his wardrobe last hey, night. Hey, the, the movie on the, the Williams sisters, worth, worth seeing? It's very good. Okay. Uh, it's very good. And he's great. I mean, I, again, it's one of the two movies I've seen. Will Smith is deserving of the best the actor Oscar, I think. He was terrific in it. It's a really good movie. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. You can join the chat as well in YouTube. You can chat with Chad and uh, give your take on this. Coming up, the Elite Eight, now the Final Four. We'll recap the Final Four uh, pairings and, and the games we saw this weekend and look ahead to the Blue Bloods that we get to watch this coming weekend. Looking forward to that. A little bit later in the show, NFL headlines, and PK is going to check in as well. He is down in West Palm Beach. I'm, I'm guessing the weather is beautiful. We'll find out coming up on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. 
Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Kansas and Villanova, Duke and North Carolina in the final four. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. It's where we're located. Chad, as we like to say when people ask us, where exactly is 6th and Peabody? It's at the corner of Peabody and Sixth. It's right there in the title. I like to even reverse it like that to throw you off to see if you're thinking properly. It's on the corner of Peabody and Sixth, or you could flip it and say it's on the corner of Sixth and Peabody, and that, in fact, gives you the title of where we are. you got to come see us. We've had uh, some visitors here recently uh, that are friends of ours that did not know just how much is going on around this venue. There's a lot happening, so come see us. Great place to hang out. Uh, another great place to hang out is in West Palm Beach at the Breakers. That's the, the site of the NFL owners meetings, the, the annual league meetings. PK joins us live uh, from West Palm Beach, where coming up at, in about an hour and a half, we are going to go into detail on some of the news and notes from day one of the meetings uh, as, we, as we dive into the final four matchups and what we saw from the Elite Eight. Polly, it looks like uh, the weather is beautiful, although uh, under the canopy, I can't tell if it's overcast or not there in Florida today. No, it's very, very sunny, lovely. Uh, you know, i got to stay out of the head for this dome yeah. to uh, be non- non-cancerous. But uh, I'm sitting at the very table where earlier Drew Rosenhaus uh, negotiated with uh, Mr. Douglas from the Jets for somebody named Eddie. We can't figure out who oh. Eddie is. Um, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's a nickname. Maybe it's a code name. Maybe you're smart enough to use a code name. Earlier, I was going to, uh, if we came to me earlier, I was going to show you where he was sitting over there. Uh, not at all indiscreet with uh, Ian Rappaport, probably telling him the deal uh, with Eddie <laughs> that he negotiated with the Jets. But I wasn't, uh, I wasn't being coy at all. I, I was sitting over here. I've got a secondary station over here. Yes. Uh, where there's power, there's power over there. And um, he was very loudly negotiating with Joe Douglas. And some of us were really taking it in. And I was uh, slipping notes to so a Jets reporter. Did, did, he, did he have the earpiece? Who hasn't in? figured out who Eddie is? Paul, oh, he... no, no. He, they were face to face. Oh, fa- okay. Yeah, face yeah, to yeah, face. The earpiece in. But while he was face to face. Yeah, because typically Douglas, it's so. confusing, you know, when he's on Radio Row at times where I've seen him where he's got the earpiece in and he's carrying on a conversation. You don't know that he's in a conversation. And you approach him, and he's always talking to someone. And it's the no, jet. but he did give the blow off to somebody who came over, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, uh, can you talk right now? You, you, you're free." And he was totally free. He's like, "Oh no, no, I got somebody coming in just a few minutes." But uh, thanks for the card. I'll be sure to text you back. Your cell phone number's on here, right? He's like, "I'll absolutely sell you back." Hey, I like your work. Familiar with your work. Big fan of your work. Uh, and the guy walked away, and I wanted to be like, "Dude, 
there's no way he's texting you back if you're not Rappaport or, uh, or Shefty. Don't be naive. But I guess I'd let the guy go through his own experience of, uh, of uh, being, being sharked or, as I like to call it, snaked. Uh, and I was much further along in the process when I uh, got my dose of Drew the Shrew, if you will. And they had the run-in at Titans training camp this past, or was it OTAs? I can't remember. This past uh, summer slash spring, this in 2021, you can go to the YouTube page at Outkick360, type in Rosenhouse, and you'll be able to hear Paul's full account of that uh, reporting from uh, Titans practice on that sunny day. Uh, Paul, we'll get into uh, details of the owners' meetings uh, a bit later, um, but we, 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 we started with Will Smith and Chris Rock last night. We've got final four. Yeah, can I offer my Blue one Bloods? thought on that? Yeah. yeah. My, my one thought on that, the, the walk-up was so long. Yeah. I mean, you guys covered it very thoroughly, but the walk-up was incredibly long. So there was a lot of time for both of them to decide what they were and weren't going to do. And then the walk down was really long. So there's a lot of time to react. And both in the walk up and in the walk down, nothing happened, which that was the most preposterous thing to me. I mean, it was seven seconds. Am I exaggerating to get up there? That's a big staircase and an extended stage. Um, that that was the most bewildering thing to me. He Paul, saw him coming for a long time, Paul, long you, time. And he just stood there and waited. And then he just stood there and watched him walk away. It, it was bizarre. Paul, I immediately thought about your buddy punching you at a Steve Winwood concert and the shock you must have felt uh, when I watched Chris Rock get smacked. Well, that was in the back of the head, though. So you yeah. didn't know it was coming. Well, and it was also immediate. It wasn't a seven-second walk-up. If there had been a seven-second walk-up, I would have Well, there, had, there had may have something been. something to say about There it. may have no, been, but you wouldn't have known. No, we were in relatively close proximity, even though it was in the back of the head. I, I sensed something was happening, and it happened quickly, as most slaps, punches, and things do. You don't watch somebody walk to you for seven seconds to hit you. That's a very unnatural thing. Well, uh, very natural is the Blue Blood Final Four. Um, is it odd? Maybe, maybe it's just me here. I didn't want St. Peter's to win against North Carolina. I didn't either. I, want, I didn't either. Part of it is Duke-North Carolina and the matchup I wanted to see in the Final Four. But at the same time, like, I, I was tired of St. Peter's. As bad as that sounds, like they had had their run. Before this tournament, they had not won an NCAA game. And I realize I, I should be rooting for anyone but a Power Five being a fan of Middle Tennessee State University. But I am thoroughly pleased that it is Duke and Carolina in New Orleans instead of Duke and St. Peter's. Am, am I crazy, well, Paul? Chad, I think you know that that game is ultimately going to come for St. Peter's. You'd rather it come now, as great as the story was, set up Carolina Duke for Krzyzewski's last game. First Carolina Duke in the tournament ever, as crazy as that is. And it, maybe it's not as crazy as we think, the way that the tournament's drawn. And, um, you know, and, and then not let that game show up in a Final Four game for St. Peter's. It was a fantastic run. They did the best anybody of that low seeding has ever done. Um, and now, you know, I would expect a, a classic in this semifinal um, where maybe I'm ready for Krzyzewski to lose. I don't like either of them, but I think we could expect a classic basketball game probably. Yeah, I, my one regret about that game, I'm with you guys. I would prefer North Carolina Duke. Not that I'm for always for the blue blood over the Cinderella, even Me in that neither. moment. If it was anyone else but Duke awaiting them, you know, if it was 
Iowa State in the Final Four or Miami on the other side, I would be rooting for St. Peter's, I think, to go ahead and get to the Final Four. But because of the Duke-UNC element, first time ever in tournament history, I, I was for North Carolina. The one thing that bummed me out about the game, St. Peter's just so bad. Yeah, They were so bad start to finish. They couldn't score. No they couldn't hit shots. They couldn't even really get good shots for most of that game. And that's where you say, Hutton, the team you brought up, I think LIU, the Blackbirds, beat them yes. in the regular season. I kept thinking, this is the team that opened their season in front of 420 people in their home gym and lost to LIU. And now the nation is witnessing it. And that bummed me out because it was such a great story. Now Shaheen Holloway's probably on his way out. I would have liked to have seen one more valiant effort and good performance, but they lose by four or five to UNC in the yeah, end. Doug, right? Where it's Doug close to the end. An awful ending. Yeah. After beating such good teams in Kentucky and Purdue to go out with such, just such a dud and an unenjoyable game to watch was kind of misery. Yeah, and then thoroughly beating Murray State, who had the, the most wins, the best record of any team in Division One this season. And, and just, I mean, they, they treated Murray State kind of the, the similar, not to the exact exact state that we saw from Carolina, but again, they, they, Murray they State could them. not, yeah, they handled They could not hit shots against, uh, against their defense. So St. Peter's Falls, we get Carolina Duke, and, you know, it is the first time. I, I think I, I'm surprised it's the first time in the tournament but also, this is the one area where the committee like schedules and brackets teams so that you don't get conference matchups until later in the bracket. It's not like you're going to get Tennessee-Arkansas in round two uh, or Kentucky-Arkansas, for instance, from, from the same conference. Uh, they try to avoid that with these pairings and how they stage this bracket. And, I mean, as fate would have it, in Coach K's final game, final game at Cameron Indoor, he's facing Carolina, and Carolina wins. Uh, and, and now for a chance to go and, and win the national championship two wins away and to get there, they have to go through Carolina again. What, a, what an opportunity for Carolina. Let's look at it from that perspective. Their arch rival to knock out Coach K twice in two massive moments, one being the final game at Cameron Indoor where ESPN is playing their entire day around broadcasts from that facility, including the, <laughs> including the presentation postgame. And... Now at the Final Four, they're in the marquee primetime matchup, Chad, taking on the Blue Devils for a chance to send Coach K home packing. Yeah, Paul, I want to hear what you have to think about this, but the thing that kept jumping out to me in watching this performance by North Carolina throughout the tournament and others is how much the tournament can change the complexion of an entire season, good or bad. Iowa wins the Big Ten tournament. They're riding high coming in. They lose in the first game. We think differently now of Iowa's entire season. Tennessee, the same way, wins their first SEC tournament in, since 1979. They bow out in the second round. We think a little differently about Tennessee season. North Carolina struggled most of the year, plays well late regular season, beats Duke, ends the retirement party, puts it on a sour note against Coach K. They get in the tournament. Hubert Davis is there getting emotional with his guy celebrating behind him. Not just a season, but the way we view Hubert Davis, who looked like a failure in year one for a large part of this season, right? I mean, he had guys leaving, transferring out of the program. They bring in Brady Manick, which was nice for them from Oklahoma. But I watched that and think, not that he would have you know, been fired after one year or anything, but it would have been a bad first year for Hubert Davis. And now suddenly, he's great. 
for North Carolina. This team is great because they go on this run and to take that next step, they've got nothing to lose. Nothing yeah, to lose. All gonna, the pressure is on Duke and Coach K. Everybody's going to try to sell what they did do, right? Uh, Iowa's, uh, yeah, yeah, we lost in a tournament, but, um, but we know the teams that have the real thing to sell are the teams that advance furthest in the tournament. And so North Carolina can lose to Duke um, this weekend and say, hey, we were an eight seed in the tournament. We went further than anybody expected. Sure, at North Carolina, we expect to win Final Fours, but that was a great season for us. We beat Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. We went to another Final Four, and that's the standard, the minimum standard at at North Carolina, and we achieved it. And nobody's going to say a word about what they did in the ACC season in the ACC tournament. And uh, and teams like Iowa and Tennessee that you point out, they're going to have to convince their fans that their regular seasons and that their tournament successes were something uh, and talk them out of the tournament disappointments. If you advance in the tournament, that's what people are going to remember. Well, and then if you've got a situation where if Duke wins, we can get to this. This, this is a, a great week-long discussion. I mean, this is great for college basketball because it has topics like this. If Duke wins and Coach K goes out on top, imagine what that means for any, anybody trying to replace a, a legend and you have the legend go out with the championship in the final season. That's number one. Number two, if Carolina wins and keeps moving forward, um, what that does for the rivalry you know, and, and what it means for the next coach that takes over at Duke when you've got the, the new guy at Carolina, um, to Chad's point. I mean, think about, where, think about where Carolina was. What was it, February 15th or 16th? When they lost at, home, they lost at home to Pittsburgh. And at the time, the, the morning after, the discussion was, the Tar Heels may not make the tournament again. And from that moment, they have won 10 of 11 games, including that magical moment where they won at Cameron Indoor, where everyone was watching. They get the eight seed and have gone on this tear through, through their side of the region to get to New Orleans. It, it is a fascinating story. Um, Brandon Wright, Tar Heel, and 12-year NBA vet's going to join us in studio tomorrow. And we'll get his perspective on what it means for the rivalry. But I think from the nation's perspective, you can't ask for a better Final Four matchup this year than Duke Carolina. Coming up, more perspective on the other side of the Final Four, which will be the first game tipping off as Kansas takes on Villanova. Here is Villanova. We, we talk about uh, Blue Bloods. They're now joining the conversation. Their third Final Four in the last six tournaments. That, that is a, a dominant stretch run now for Jay Wright and how he could end up on top yet again. That's all ahead on OutKick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In 30 minutes, we discuss hard times for Penny Hardaway in Memphis. Outkick 360 rolls on from downtown Nashville. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. 
Great stations like Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. Duke and North Carolina meeting in the Final Four. And on the other side of the bracket, we have Villanova and Kansas. And Chad, Paul, as, as we look at Nova, Nova's now mentioned in the Blue Bloods. Like I, I realize it's not a Blue Blood program if we started listing off who comes to mind when you say that. Uh, the other three in this bracket currently do with Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. But Villanova has won as many titles as Kansas. When you look at the bottom line, and, and here they are in, in recency bias here. Here's Villanova yet again making another Final Four run and well, a chance to cut down the nets yet again, Chad. Yeah, and Paul, I'm, I'm going to let you start with this one. You're, you're our resident uh, Yankee Northeasterner, so I'll let you go with the, uh, the Villanova love, who I just actually asked about in the, the studio during the break and said, does anyone really hate Villanova or not respect Jay Wright in that program? I feel like it's universal love for Jay Wright and what he does with the kids in that program and how they play the game. Yeah, I mean, I think the hate, Chad, may be other Northeastern basketball schools who hope to occupy that slot. I read a great story at The Athletic. You guys may have read it, too. Um, he was screaming at his guys early in the game on the offensive end to stop the pivots. He had preached to them that in this game, pivots weren't going to work um, against uh, Arkansas. They needed pump fake instead. And that was what they were trained to do in this game. And they got fouled, uh, got to the foul line, I think, 15 times. Many of them were on pump fakes. I thought that was fascinating that they came in with the strategy that pivoting uh, down low wasn't going to be effective offensively. But pump faking was going to be uh, effective. And against the best teams uh, and the most disciplined defensive teams, pump faking, uh, you can only resist it to a certain degree. Um, they were the aggressors. Uh, uh, other teams had uh, let Arkansas get ahead. They went up 9-2, and they made extra passes. Dockage told us they go from, from a good shot to a better shot to a great shot. They did that a lot in this game. The thing is this Taze Moore injury and how much that hurts them going forward now against Kansas. But I, don't, I, don't, I haven't looked at the lines here. I would think Villanova's got as good a chance to win this thing as anybody, and that's with the six – Six-man rotation. Well, here uh, they, they just can 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 morph into any kind of game. Yeah, and here's Paul where I think they have a chance. I don't know another team that's left in this tournament or many teams in this tournament to begin with that could shoot 28% from the field and win in the Elite yeah. Eight. That's what Villanova did. 44 points they gave up against Houston. Houston was one for 20 from three. But Villanova yeah. has that type of defense and an ability to hit clutch free throws, to hit the shots that you have to have at some point, and not really do much offensively and still survive in advance and win games. Now, I think Villanova's done because Justin Moore, their second-leading scorer, uh, tore his ACL with 40 seconds left in that Elite Eight game, and he was two for three from three in that game. He was a big reason they advanced against, uh, against Houston. So that's going to hurt Villanova, but that's what's remarkable about this team. I look at Kansas, Duke, North Carolina – and I could not pick any of those teams to win if they had a shooting day like Nova had in the Elite Eight against Houston. But Nova's capable of doing that. This was the lowest offensive output of any Elite Eight since the tournament expanded. To 64, not 68. To 64. Um, so we, we saw a very defensive weekend uh, top to bottom and some really poor shooting performances. 
Here's the thing that's going to be overlooked by Villanova. They have a chance to win their third title in six tournaments. And that is as quick of a span as we have seen since UCLA. Only UCLA has won that many over that short amount of time. And considering, considering that this is, to me, the most even playing field of any championship in sports, and how it's, a, it's one and done, it's over three weekends, and the, the, the talent level is spread out, unlike some other sports. Considering all of those factors, the, the fact that here is Villanova yet again and what Jay Wright has done in this short span, that, that is a storyline that will be overlooked this coming weekend, maybe not by a week from tonight where we see a national championship. If they get past Kansas, either way, they're the B storyline. It's either Duke and Coach K in his final game, and we all know it, or it is Carolina, the eight seed, back to national prominence after knocking out Duke in a chance to hoist the national championship in, in, the, in the same season after, in February, being on the bubble, squarely on the bubble. Some would say outside the bubble. I, it, it's the B storyline, but it's, a, it's an A-list type of program and it's remarkable what they've pulled off there at Villanova. I, I, I mean, I overlooked them throughout this bracket as we were trying to figure out final four matchups. They've been phenomenal, and they can, beat, they can beat you in multiple ways because they're very good in every aspect of their overall game. They're not great at nearly as many as what the, the categories where they're very good, and you have to be on... Or if you have a poor shooting performance, like Chad's pointing out, you're not going to beat them, no matter how much they're scoring. And that you have to kill them. They're never going to kill themselves. They're never going to beat themselves in a game. It's one of those teams that if it's a five-point game in the second half, you are so nervous if you're playing Villanova because you know they're right where they want to be. And they have an ability, because of Jay Wright, to win in those moments, even when they don't have it going. Uh, And I, I can't say that about the other teams in this tournament, it feels like the other three, they need to be on. You know, they need to be hitting from the outside. They need a little some, some juice going yeah. in order to advance. Villanova, I don't think, has the talent of those teams, but they don't need it. 360 headlines are coming up. We'll let you know what's going on in the sports world today, including some headlines from the NFL owners' meetings. Paul is there live. Uh, and coming up in an hour, we will discuss in depth some of the big talking points today from the coaches that he was able to speak with. When we come back, we'll tell you about one of the coaches down south in Florida that's talking about Tom Brady. That's straight ahead.